And welcome to the Striped Onion Show, where we peel them back good. And now to our host, the man with the plan, Sergeant Peel. Yes, and welcome back to the Striped Onion Show, the SOS Show. I am Sergeant Peel, and like I said before, my friends call me Sarge, and guess what? My friends, you're about to meet one of my friends. I've got a great guy on the show today. His name is Chad Newman. Chad Newman is one of the newest retirees in law enforcement in Columbia, South Carolina. I'm going to tell you, I've known Chad for quite a while. He is a great resource. He is a great person to turn to uh, when it comes to cops and even firemen uh, dealing with the stressors of the job and first responders. So uh, he's, he's very built on service. I want you to make sure that you Pay attention to this show. There's a great story. There's a great resource that you're about to hear. Uh, remember what I told you in the beginning, though. On the first show, I talked about one thing. I said, you know, I'm going to have the preachers on the show, and then I'm going to have the unfiltered. Well, guess what? Chad's on the more unfiltered side. We even joke about it a little bit, I'm sure. But I'm going to tell you, your kids don't need need to be around listening to this show. This this is a show for adults. This is a show for the first responders today, and it's it's very it's very impactful. So make sure you do that. Do take a minute, real quick, share this show across your social media platforms. That is imperative. That is important. We got to get the word out. That's what helps us do that. So if you're watching us on YouTube right now, share it. If you're watching us on Facebook, share it. I don't care. Spotify iHeart, I don't care. Share it. Just share it. I don't care what you share it. I don't care which platform. I'm, I don't care about numbers. I care about the word going out, okay? Also, check out our website, thesosshow.com. There's more information and resources there. But without further ado, I want to go straight into this show with Chad. All right, I got Chad. Chad, Bo, how are you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, Sarge. Just enjoying the retired life. Yeah, yeah, I kind of, I kind of picked up on that little, uh, that hint here recently. I saw that you retired, and then of course I get this picture of you that, uh, man, you got a glorious beard growing there. What's the goal? Are we gonna go Duck Dynasty level, or what are we gonna do? Oh, absolutely! I'm gonna grow it down about mid chest is what I'm going for. Yeah, well, I know what your head looks like underneath that hat, and you know, you see, I don't have much hair on top of my head, so. Well, you know. <laughs> That looks pretty sharp, dude. That's the that's the slick as I've seen that. That's uh, freshly shaven this morning. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Well, uh, I know you've uh, you've had a, a great career. I'm gonna tell you that. I'm, I'm proud to know you. I'm proud to watch you in the probably the last decade, decade and a half that I've known you. I, I love seeing stuff that you've done and missions you've done and accomplishments in your career. And I'm proud of you. And I'm proud to be one of your friends. I'll tell you that. And Absolutely, Sarge. Uh, from from the very beginning, thank you for your service uh, to the Midlands, to the Columbia, South Carolina area. Uh, thank you for what you've done, uh, not just in law enforcement, but also thank you for what you did in the military prior to that. So, thank you. So, well, let's get right to it. Um, so, I'm gonna tell you guys, I've known Chad. We're going on, like I said, 14ish years. Um, Maybe 15, maybe 13. I, I don't think either one of us has kept count, but. <laughs> no, no. We met, at a, count. 
Yeah, we might not want to keep count at this point. <laughs> That's true. That's but, true. But our friendship is deep, I'll tell you that. But the one thing I'll tell you is uh, I met Chad at a post-critical incident seminar in Lexington, South Carolina. Like I said, it was in the mid 2000s, 2006, maybe. Um, that's where I met him. Uh, and Chad was one of those individuals that I became friends with and the friendship has grown through the years. Uh, we've grown together as individuals and we've grown, grown together in the critical incident stress management world. So we've been on deployments together. We've been to PCISs, PCISs together in South Carolina and outside of South Carolina. So. Chad's one of those uh, blessed souls when it comes to this. He's just like I was, kind of baptized by fire into this, into that whole system. That's the best way to describe it. A few it. times. Yeah. A few times. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I think you, you've been called a poster child for the, for the program, so. Yeah, 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 yeah I have. That's why I'm glad to have you on the show because people need to hear your story. Um, Chad, real quick. Tell everybody about your career. I know I handed around about some military time, Marine. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. And then some uh, law enforcement time. Just tell everybody real quick about your career uh, and what All you right. were opted to do through it. All right. Um, well, it's been eight years in the Marine Corps. Um, definitely proud of that, obviously, as you can see the picture behind me. Um, I went into, went into law enforcement in uh, – 96 and started off on uh, on patrol down in Clarendon County where I'm from the big metropolis of Manning South Carolina uh, where I was born and raised and I was on the sheriff's office down there for about nine years and uh, moved into narcotics in uh, 2001 and in 2005 moved up to uh, Richland County where I became a canine handler which best job I ever had Loved it. Um, was a canine handler for 10 years. Um, loved it. Loved every minute of it. Loved being with a dog. And uh, ended up my career with the city of Columbia um, on patrol up in the what we call the east region, which is uh, Spears Creek and uh, there at I-20 near the Kershaw County line. That's where I ended up at. Um, like I said, I work undercover narcotics, canine patrol is where I spent the majority of my career. Um, had a lot of opportunities. <laughs> uh, I've been known to be accident prone. So, uh, as my no, wife would call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As my wife would call it accident prone is me. Um, she's got many of those midnight calls of, Hey, I'm okay. Cause you're hearing my voice, but <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Um, so obviously, you know, what, what got me involved with PCIS um, was my first year in narcotics, uh, 2001. It was uh, September 7, 2001. I was serving a search warrant, uh, 5 o'clock in the morning. Went to go kick in a door, and unbeknownst to me, the guy had a uh, surveillance camera. And I was standing on a little 4 by 4 landing, you know, at the front of the house, a little single-wide trailer. And... Uh, Surprisingly enough, you can fit like five people on a four by four landing. I, I did not know that was possible. Been there, done that. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, right. So we're we're hitting the door on this 1978 single wide trailer, and uh, as we're hitting the door, the guy shoots through the door and hits me in the uh, the left hip. And uh, 
you know, I didn't realize I was shot. And of course we quickly unasked the, the four by four and we're going for cover. And I remember getting to the back of the truck or, or heading to the back of the truck rather and feeling pressure and then feeling like I was on fire and uh, realizing at that point I had been shot. And it, it, it's amazing the things that go through your mind, you know, when something like that happens. And me, I'm, I guess I'm kind of a screwed up individual anyway, things I think about. I remember thinking to myself, well, I got three minutes, so we better make them count. And uh, of course, I'm threatening the guy and calling him some very unchristian things, telling him exactly what my plan was for him on that day. And uh, I remember him holding up his 16-month-old daughter in front of him. And, you know, it, it amazes you how, how people can be and what they do in a situation like that. And I remember thinking to myself, how in God's name could you put your child in a situation like that? And uh, anyway, long story short, I obviously made it through the three minutes. Um, then my only thought was, all right, somebody needs to get me out of here. You know, ambulance driver said they weren't coming. I was like, yeah, you might better. So uh, I make it to uh, Richland Memorial Hospital. And, and I'll tell you about my meeting with, with Eric Skidmore. Um, Gene Morris, who's the chief deputy down here in Clarendon now, was supposed to be on this search warrant with me but he was going away that weekend on his uh, anniversary and his birthday with his wife. Well, he found out what happened and he called me and he said, hey, I'm sending a guy up there to meet you by the name of Eric Skidmore. He's a chaplain with, with SLED. I was like, all right, whatever, man. I don't care. I just want everybody to leave me alone, you know? So I'm, uh, me being me, I'm in the ambulance bay at Rich Memorial Hospital <laughs> having a cigarette with uh, IVs all in my arms, sitting in a wheelchair, and I'm smoking a cigarette, which is probably the dumbest thing I could have done. And this guy comes up and he said, hey, are you Chad Newman? I said, yeah, who the fuck are you? <laughs> he said, I'm Reverend Skidmore. And I remember thinking to myself, oh great, I just made it through a shooting and now I'm going to hell. Cause I just cussed a preacher. Oh my God. And obviously I didn't. Here I am, you know, all these years later, Eric and I have obviously become very, very close friends after that. Um, so went, stayed in the hospital that night. The next day I asked the doctor what I had to do to get out. And he told me the three things I had to do. And by six o'clock the next morning, I did those three things and I was gone. I wasn't staying in no hospital. I can hurt at home. I stayed out of work for about, I don't know, about two months. And, uh, Went back to work, decided I needed to get right back in the thick of things. You know, my daddy always told me, fall off a horse, you got to get right back on. So uh, my first week back at work, I spent at the Criminal Justice Academy, just as luck would have it, in what they call TNT, Tactical Narcotics Training. I did a week's worth of search warrants. So if I wasn't ready, oh, well, tough, I did it. And, uh, you know, I realized, hey, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to go. So I spent the next four years in narcotics um, doing a lot of search warrants. And, you know, I was good, or so I thought. My shooting didn't bother me. I was I was good with it. I, I knew I was okay. So it never was an issue. 
Um, they sent me to PCIS. My sheriff told me I had to go. I told him no. He said, well, you can look for another job. And of course my response was, so where do I need to be again? At what time? I went, it was PCIS number, I believe it was number two. And, and uh, I was in a room right there at I-77 and, um, and Garner's Ferry. I think there may have been six or eight of us. So it wasn't many. And like I said, it was one of the first PCIS, so it was real small. We didn't even have massages then. I'm, I don't know how I missed out on that, but uh, it, it was real small. And I, and I was like, you know, why am I here? I'm good. It, it, my shooting didn't bother me. It really didn't, which made me feel really bad because I'm like, am I supposed to be bothered by this? Because everybody else seems to be, and I'm not, you know. So then you start wondering to yourself, well, maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. And uh, so I moved on from that, and I, I felt fine. In uh, 2004, I went and got peer team certified, went through the uh, the SISMS class and, and, you know, all of that. And uh, 2005, I had a uh, – we had an armed robbery happen down in Jasper County. The guy come up I-95, and we ended up getting in a chase with him. We got off there on Highway 527 going into Sumter County. There was a, a trooper, uh, Jonathan Parker, was parked off to the right-hand side of the road. He was waiting on us to pass, and we were going to – he was going to fall in behind us. And he wasn't just off to the right-hand side by a little bit. He was in a vacant lot, so he was off two car widths. And the, uh, the suspect saw him and intentionally turned his car towards him, hit the back end of his car, and sent him into the woods. They were driving the little Dodge Intrepids at the time. And the gas tank sat right behind the uh, back passenger seat. And the car burst into flames. Um, I jumped out. I ran up there, and I was trying to pull Jonathan out. And the motor was sitting in his lap. And I couldn't get him out. I tried and tried and tried. Had my feet literally on the door. And I grabbed him on both sides of his vest and was pulling with all my might and couldn't. And... Uh, Burned both my forearms and had a big guy. He was one of our investigators, grabbed me around my waist and, and pulled me away from the car about the time the car got fully engulfed. And uh, I watched Jonathan burn up. And that bothered me for the longest time. I mean, it, it, it tore me up. And, and then I really didn't know what to do then because here I am, I'm a peer team member. I'm supposed to know how to deal with this stuff. And I didn't. So I turned to drinking. Because I had no other route, or so I thought. But then I'm sitting here supposed to be telling other people how to deal with it. So then I'm struggling back and forth, you know. And I, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I, I sunk down into a deep, dark hole. And uh, i never forget I was at a concert one night with my wife. And we were... We had gone to the concert and it got over late, you know, 12, one o'clock in the morning, whatever. And uh, we were leaving. And I told my wife, I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I'm either gonna die tonight or I'm gonna stop doing what I'm doing, but something's gonna change tonight. And I'll never forget, I called Eric Skidmore at two o'clock in the morning. And, uh, you know, that was a changing point. 
for me. And after that, I really started getting back into PCIS. I started going to every one I could go to. If they told me I couldn't go, I'd take vacation from work. And I'd be like, ha, you can't tell them what to do on vacation. You know? And I started showing up at every PCIS I could go to. I quit the drinking. Or at least I moderated it. I knew what my limitations were. And, and that saved me. And then it helped me to become a better peer team member to the people that I, in, in my mind, I had swore to protect, you know? Because to me, that's what we do when we go to these PCIS is we, we swear to help these people. We take that oath. And it was a renewed sense for me to do that. And, and that's what really, really got me involved more so than I was before. Right. Well, and I'm going to tell you, you hit on something just now that, that kind of really sets it home already in the very beginning of this, where you said as a peer, you're the one that everybody turns to for the advice, basically. Mm-hmm. But one thing that has solidified mine and yours relationship is the fact that me and you have turned toward each other when the peer <laughs> many times. Right, but when the peer needs to peer, yeah, we've, we've got each other. We've got that thing figured out. We figured that out pretty early. We've done that for years. Oh, God, I can't uh, tell you the amount of phone calls we've given back and forth going, hey, I think I might be one up on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, to the people listening, I mean, and, and Chad, just so you know, the people that listen to this show range anything from parents of first responders to chaplains to other officers to firefighters, paramedics, military, and just plain old civilians. Right. Um, not that we're calling them plain old civilians or anything. No, I know what you mean. Sure. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But with that being yeah. said, we're talking about a human being right here that, you know, he's he's been through a few things and he ain't told you. He's only scratched the surface. I know <laughs> a lot about Chad's story. Yeah. Um, Chad's story is a very large book. Uh, he's been through a lot and He's a survivor and he's a hell of a dude. And I'm glad he's right here with me on the show. So, um, one of the things I'm you honored that about, you asked me, what's that? I said, I'm honored that you asked me. Well, I'm glad you said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I wasn't sure if you would say, yeah. If you don't pay it forward, it don't count. Bingo. That's it right there. But I made sure in the very first show and y'all, we, he talked about Eric Skidmore, which was one of my guests in my earliest shows, but the very first show when I introed what we were going to accomplish in this show, I introed my guest list to involve people that may be of the cloth or of the faith in the church level. And there may be the people that are unfiltered. Well, you you just found one of my unfiltered buddies right here. So that's why I love him, Chad. You're so real, and that's why I'm glad you're on the show. So um Getting in, get into your career and, and just uh, I, in case somebody thinks Chad medically retired, he looks young, he's a young dude, but I will tell you this, Chad did not medically retire. He did his full service. He did his full yeah. career. He worked beyond the shooting, uh, beyond the injuries that he's had through the years, um, the car wrecks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even talk about those. Oh, I, trust me. I know we, we all have our fair share of wrecks in law enforcement. Yeah. Um, no, I actually, um, so after I got shot, I, um, I worked another 19 years after being shot and I still have the bullet in my hip to this day. So I, I, a lot of people tried to get me to medically retire, but 
in my mind, I didn't come into this job to medically retire. I came into this job to make a difference. And, and I felt like even on the last day that I left, I felt like that's what I had done. And, and that I, 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 I felt like I left accomplishing the goals that I set out to accomplish. Perfect. That's what we should do. That's what we should accomplish. I mean, you, you should set goals. You should, uh, you know, honestly, not just goals, but limits. You should set limits. So one of the hardest things we have as type A personalities and being cops and first responders is we don't know how to say no because we, yeah. always, we always want to turn around and help somebody. And yeah. that's our biggest downfall a lot of the time in our personal lives. So, um, yeah, and, and that, that was always hard for me. Um, you know, like you and I had spoke about earlier, my last three years I was working 120 hours every two weeks, um, you know, because we were shorthanded and, and we needed the, the help. And, and I was never one to say no. And, and, and it was starting to wear on me. But now I look back and I'm like, okay, I did it. And now I'm reaping the benefits, but I'm good. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it probably helped your retirement check too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know how the South Carolina system works. So, yeah. Yes, 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 quite a bit. You probably got a little bit of a boost on your retirement check for the rest of your life. So there you go. Yeah, and that's why I'm sitting at home right now. I don't, I don't have to do a thing if I don't want to, and I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, I, I want to get more involved with PCIS. Um, you know, that's something I've always had as, as a goal for myself. And, and I told Eric. Um, matter of fact, Eric's one of the first people I called when I was talking to the retirement board, and, and he was freaked out. He thought that that meant that we were that they were going to lose me through SC leap. And I said, no, 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 just the opposite there. Now you're going to have me more. He's like, Oh whew, man, I was getting a little worried there. I said, no, 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 no. There's times where the guys retire and then they kind of retire out of doing PCIS too. Cause you know, as well as I do half the time, you got these, you know, these cops that work 25 and 28 and 30 years and they turn around and, retire from that, but they still go and do something else, which does take them away from us. Right. Yes. And that's unfortunate, but the good thing with you, you're going to retire and you're going to come back and still play. We'll say, we'll say play. Well, that's going to be one of my stipulations. If I do go get another job is, well, you're going to have to make time for my other, which is PCIS. I'm sorry. And if you can't, then I don't need this job. Yeah. So that, you know, that's one of my stipulations. Uh, you know where I stand in, in religion, too, that, you know, if it's meant to be, the Lord's going to make it happen anyway, so. And that's true. That's true. It's it's, it's going to be a good thing. So, all right, well, with that being said, the other thing I wanted to hit on was, uh, you know, your canine, your canine career. Um, you, you've talked about some of the things you went through and then you didn't know where to turn. And the canine deputy that's out there or the canine cop that's out there, canine handler, whatever you want to call them. A lot of times they're working these entire shifts with no human contact at all, other than their partner, which is their canine. Yep. And I'm not making fun of you, but how many conversations have you had with your various dogs through the years? Oh man, who are you telling? I knew you were going to go there. So I'd be (laughs) my first dog, man. I'm so glad he couldn't talk. Oh my God. Uh, that that and that was my boy that was my heart um you know and 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 you do and people don't understand oh it's just a dog no it's not that 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 dog was my world i mean my first dog actually saved my life one night the guy was trying to shoot me on uh on i-20 
and and the dog jumped up and bit him in the forearm, made him drop the gun, you know, and, and, and people don't understand that. And I've never had a partner save my life before, you know, a human partner. I, I've had a dog do it. And you do, you spend 12 and a half hours or, or 12 hours or however you want to look at it at, at work with them. And then you spend 12 hours at home with them. You know, they, these are, they're your life. They are. And I did. I talked to my dog all the time, man. And I, I swear, I think that sucker could understand. You know, I spoke a little Dutch and a little redneck ease because, you know, I'm country. <laughs> so, you know, he, he understood it all, too. And uh, I mean, I'm telling you, man, sometimes you'd be talking to that dog and he'd just give you these facial expressions like he totally understood. And and you do. You, you, you get really close with him. You get tight with him. And man, I'm going to tell you what, I ain't ashamed to admit it. Marine, grown man, whatever. I cried like a baby when I lost my first dog. I did. I did, man. And I've got his ashes here at my house right now with his badge and everything. And, and I look at that picture of him every day, man. And I, I miss that dog like I would miss any family member. I do. Well, but, yeah. You're not the first canine officer I've ever heard say the words that that dog basically is a family member. Oh, absolutely. And every, and every time you have one, it's, it's a family member. So. Well, it's funny because, you know, he's a big, bad police dog. And, and, and my wife, I mean, she's a whopping 110 pounds soaking wet with weights in her pocket. And, and he was 90 pounds. She would pick him up and put him in the bathtub, and he'd just sit there and protest. But then if he got into the car with his, his – uh, he wore a harness, which we called his uniform. He put on his uniform. She wouldn't get within five feet of him, and he wasn't going to let her. <laughs> but at the house, when he wasn't in his uniform, oh, she'd pick him up, put him in the bathtub, and he'd just protest. But he'd never do a thing to her. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, man. They, if I went out of the house in uniform and he wasn't putting on his uniform, going, he'd be like, "Uh, excuse me, hello, what are we doing?" But they're they're funny, man. They really are. They they're just like people. And yeah, he was that was my world right there, man. I'm gonna tell you that that night he died, I was uh. I was here at the house. He was at the hospital, and he, uh, he ended up getting cancer, and they had to do a blood transfusion that sent a clot to his heart and died of a heart attack, and, and that broke my heart that I couldn't be with him. And uh, I went up there in uniform, man, and I held that dog for a good hour and cried like a baby, and I didn't care who saw me. I didn't. Because that, that dog was my world. He really was. I spent, gosh, eight years with him. Yeah. You know, you just don't you don't spend that kind of time with a human or an animal and, and not get attached. Absolutely. Well, you talked about Eric Skidmore. Uh, <laughs> Eric's been on the show. That's my buddy. Uh, and I'm gonna tell you, Eric has got lots of friends all around. We know that. That's a fact. Um, and knows everybody's name. That's what baffles me. I can't remember my own name half the time. I know, and I'm the same way. And I'm telling you, he's got the names down pat yeah with that being said though eric is one of those guys that i'm telling you the first day that i met him it's like he knew me yep. uh and I've, i i had met him one time prior to actually meeting to where i understood who he was and it was in a debriefing but i'm gonna tell you i, I didn't know him until really pcis and i've got to know him pretty much the way you have chad yeah um but you want to talk about another gracious soul that's him man that's that's one of those guys that he don't ever need to retire <laughs> he needs to keep doing it 
as long as he can. We're going to be in trouble the day he does. I can tell you that. Absolutely. We they are. will never be replacing him. It's It, it can't happen. Well, let me ask you good. this. Because I know at one point that me and you had the conversation about the cigar shop. Yeah. How does Eric feel about the fact that there's not a cigar shop yet? <laughs> you know, oddly enough, he has asked me that question about a dozen times. I believe it. <laughs> Eric has. is a very big cigar special. I mean, he, he knows his cigars, man. Yeah, he kept asking me that. And I said, well, Eric, I said, here's the thing. I said, if you want to give me the money to start one, I'll be glad to do it. And he's like, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'll come visit. How about that? <laughs> Bring us a car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, when and if we ever get to go back to PCIS, I've actually got some that uh, one of our buddies up in North Carolina sent me 70 not too long ago. Oh, nice. You know, you know who I'm talking about, the retired captain. Yeah, that's what I was figuring you were talking about. <laughs> he, he sent me 70, out of the blue, sent me a box of 70 and uh, that he had packaged up in a, in, a, in a homemade humidor that he sent and sent me a letter and said, hey, I just tried these, thought you might like them, let me know. And, uh, and, I, and I've still got some here. I've been saving them for Eric. I just have not had a chance to see Eric, obviously, with everything being the way it is right now. So We may just have to have Eric come to the house and just have a, a guy's night sitting on the porch smoking some cigars. I know. I know. I, that's what I'm thinking. And uh, we go. I, I talk to him on the phone all the time. Um, matter of fact, I just talked to him last week, I think it was. Mm -hmm. He called me. Yeah, it was last week. He called me the week before, want me to go to North Carolina and do a debrief up there. And then last week he called me about something else. So, I mean, I talk to him all the time, but, you know, obviously with COVID the way it is, we just, just have not been able to see each other. Yeah. So we're going to need to remedy that right shortly. The way I tell him is if they can have concerts, we can have PCIS, so we need to get this ball rolling. I agree. I, I think I mean, he's itching for it just as much as anyone else. So I'm with. Well, I know our waiting list is probably about five miles long, and Miss Bev is probably chomping at the bit to get that waiting list uh, taken care of. As long as Miss Bev can make sure that Eric Skidmore math is held to the standard <laughs> that it's supposed to be, I think we'll be happy. And everybody that's listening that knows what I'm talking about is yep. laughing themselves right now, going down the road or sitting in their office. Well, that's what I'm concerned about is is this Eric Skidmore math is going to become common core math, and the next one's going to have like <laughs> 252 participants. Oh. And we're going to be in there for about four days just on day one. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm concerned with. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we can hurry up and get this done because there's a lot of people out there that need it. I know um, I've done a lot of debriefs over the last – Oh gosh, six months just at, at Columbia Police Department alone. We had um, had quite a few incidents um, just at Columbia, and I know they were elsewhere because I had to go other places too. But you know, there's a lot of need for it right now with with today's environment being as it is. Um, you know, we need to we definitely need to get out there to these guys because I know they need it. Yeah, I know they do. 
Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, as we wrap up, I want you to think about one thing, and I want you to give our, our listeners some piece of advice, whether they're police officer, firefighter, paramedic, dispatch, corrections, a civilian employee, or relations to any of the above, or any of our military brothers and sisters. At this point in, in, in our, our livelihood right now with the pandemic going on, with critical incidents aren't going to slow down, they're not going to stop. If you could give them a piece of advice on what to do, considering everything that's going on, what would you say to them right now? Well, and it's the biggest thing that, that I told a, a lot of the guys at, at CPD before I left. And, and matter of fact, I just talked with the, the head over their peer team right before I talked to you tonight. It, just because the pandemic is going on doesn't mean that there aren't people out there that you can't talk to. Um, you know, even if you do it over this. Now, now I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm country as all get out. This is the first Zoom thing I've ever done <laughs> in my life. I didn't even know what a Zoom was. Um, but you know, there's somebody out there that you can talk to and, and don't try to think, okay, well, this pandemic's on. So I just need to keep it to myself because I can't go and meet with somebody or can't, you know, that's what I want people to understand is, is there's, there's somebody, even if you got to meet one-on-one or you need to pull up car to car, like we used to do in the old days, whatever, you know, but talk to somebody and, and don't keep it inside and, and try to use the COVID as an excuse because that don't work. I've tried that. I know you have. It don't work. It don't. Um, <laughs> that's what they keep telling me. Well, I mean, and think about it this way too. A lot of a lot of people really are, are feeling a lot of extra stress just because of the pandemic. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, well, it, it changes the it changes the dynamics at home. It changes the dynamics at work. I mean, you know, my, my wife was 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 reduced in in hours at her job for a while. I mean, cut from forty down to twenty. Well, that adds stress at home. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, and and I mean, so that's the biggest thing is, is is these people need to you know everybody needs to understand that everybody's going through stress right now. You got to understand there's people out there you can talk to. There's people that are willing to listen. Whether you call them, whether you do whatever this thing is, Zoom, <laughs> what you, Zoom, Zoom, sure, that, <laughs> whatever it is, reach out. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't bottle it up inside because I promise you from personal experience, I promise you, it leads to a deep, dark path, and that don't lead nowhere good. And, and unfortunately, there's a lot, and we've seen it. You've seen it. I've seen it. A lot of times that path is a path you can't come back from. Yeah. And 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 we both have friends that have gone down that path. And we had one recently. Yeah. We had one very recently. And, and, you know, obviously that's not the call I want to get in the middle of the night. And, and especially knowing there's things we can do. There's, there's help out there. There's, there's help available that some people don't even realize. Um, I will tell you this. And and obviously not naming any names or anything like that, but recently I uh, I made a phone call to Eric and set something up for an individual that was going through some issues, and got that person the help they needed. And they were gone for a good thirty days, 
And that individual to this day has told me it was the best thing ever happened to them. And, and they finally realized that was the help they needed. Yeah, it sucked for that 30 days. I get it. But they are in a lot better place now, mentally, physically, health-wise, job-wise. They're in a much better place. Absolutely. So, you know, the help is out there. Don't let COVID be an excuse because it's not, you know, you know, a lot of people try to use that, but no, reach out, reach out because the help's out there. The, the help that we've been offering all these years has not changed and it won't, you know, it's not going to change. Yeah, we don't have PCIS, but all the other resources are still there. I'll be honest with you. I, I think if anything, it's probably started to improve it because yeah. most, most of the mental health help that we have with our stuff has really expanded even more with the exception of the PCIS that expanded even more to help even further than it was before. So I think no, it made our stuff better. Right. And, and, you know, so along those same lines, you know, I'm, I'm with the VA obviously because of the Marine Corps and everything. And it's funny because for the longest time, the VA was shut down completely and you couldn't go there. And, and they acted like, Oh God, we don't know what we're going to do. Well, all of a sudden they started doing all this, uh, telehealth stuff or yeah. whatever which we were doing with sc elite what a year ago yeah a year and a half ago yeah well the, well the va is now getting on board with this and it's it's funny to sit here and watch them just now catching up to what we were doing you know a, a year a year and a half ago they're starting to catch up to it well and really truthfully the whole world is now catching up to it but but i'm thinking man we we're doing this a year ago i mean come on and and then that's the way of the world now I mean, that's the way it's going. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that would be my biggest advice is just, you know, don't think the resources aren't out there because they are and, and, and utilize it. That's what we're here for. I'd much rather you call me and, and tell me you need help and allow me to go and find the help than for you to just sit there on your hands and don't do nothing until it's too late. I agree. You know? Because a lot of people would be surprised at the resources that we do have. And, and that individual I was talking about didn't even know that these resources were available. And all I needed was one word. And when they gave me that one word, I took it and I ran with it. Absolutely. And I said, okay. But, but understand, this is going to be like riding a roller coaster because the minute you say it, it's going to take off. And you've got to be ready to ride. And, and that's what happened. And when you come off the roller coaster, you're usually pretty happy and – Actually, like I said, we see it all the time. We know the end this, result. We've seen it. To this day, that individual and that individual's spouse have have thanked me a million times, which is not why I did it. I, I did it because I knew the help needed to be done. But it, it, it is rewarding to see that, to know that I did the right thing, that that was the help that that person needed, and, and it led in the right direction as opposed to where it was leading. And I knew where it was leading. I've been there. You, you, you know, the, the thing that David Henderson says all the time about, you know, why'd you jump down in the hole? Cause I've been there and I know the way out. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. Thank you. And, and, and that's what that was is, Hey, I, I've been in that hole, man. I know. <laughs> Trust me. I know. Uh, so, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm very thankful for, having you in my life i appreciate everything about you i appreciate the path that you've been on before you met me and since you've known me 
so with that being said, I want you to know that I'm always here for you, and I know you're always going to be there for me. Absolutely, brother. None of that changes. Absolutely. And the, and the greater part of that is, to my listeners, I'm going to put some contact information in the comments of this post. So uh, if anybody wants to reach out to Chad, Chad is one of those approachable individuals. Even though he's a Marine, even though he's a retired cop, he actually will talk to you. He's one of those guys that is very reliable. He is very experienced when it comes to this topic. So if something hit home with you, please don't hesitate to reach out to Chad. He is a blessed individual, blessed soul. And we're glad to have him on our team. And we're glad to be a part of him and his team and his life. So, Chad, as we take off right here and close this thing out, any, any last word you want to say, any any good vibe or thoughts you want to throw to the listeners as we sign off? This whole retirement thing, I really suggest everybody try it. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. I really like, suggest that it. almost sounds like this guy BK we know up in North Carolina. Right. I've right. heard him say that. You're like, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Now that you're doing it, you are BK all over again. Yeah, I'm telling you, I highly – well, I mean, I've got his same hairdo. So, you do. You know, he don't have the beard, though. I know. we got to work on that with him. Well, he does have the little – you know. That's not a beard. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, that's yeah, a confusing no, concept. I highly suggest this retirement thing. I mean, you know, obviously you know what I've been dealing with for the past week. Yeah, but past that, I, I, I highly suggest this uh, this retirement thing because uh, there's a lot to be said for it. Uh, there really is. I'm gonna tell you what, man. I, believe it or not, in a, in, in a week from the time I retired till today, I've lost eight pounds. I, I guess not riding around in a freaking patrol car. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Um, you can actually choose what you want to eat rather than having to shove something down. Yeah, I you know I I wake up when I want to in the morning. Um, I don't feel like I I can tell my stress levels a lot less. I mean, other than again what I've been dealing with for the past week, but I I don't feel the stress level. You know, like I did waking up going, oh Jesus, I can deal with all this again. Yeah. I don't feel that. Um, I really don't, man. I, I wake up every day and I'm like, well, you know, what am I gonna do today? But I have not had a day where I haven't done something. I don't sit on the couch. I don't, which I'm not that type of person anyway. You know no, me. I got so you're, be, you're not that type. So. No, you know, I got to be moving around all the time. I can't it's, sit still. It's not going to surprise me when you start posting pictures on Facebook of you and BK. <laughs> oh, you done, you done traveled over to, you know, Atlanta or Savannah, and oh, there's a picture of you and Andy Carrier. That's, that's not surprising a very possibility. I, I, I mean, I have truck will travel, you know, and, and I, I, know. <laughs> I, I actually joined a hunting club. I've been out on the hunting club cutting with my tractor. So, I mean, you know, hey, I've got things to do. So that's awesome. Well, Chad, from all of us here at the SOS show, again, thank you for your career and I appreciate everything about you. And, and we love you, brother. Just don't hesitate. You know where we're at. We know where you're at. Sarge, as always, love you and I will see you soon. Thanks again for listening, friends. Let me tell you, we are greatly appreciative of your support of the SOS show, the Striped Onion show, and we are just as grateful for the friends we have inside our CISM network. Don't forget to share today's SOS call on your social media platforms. That is critical to getting the word out. 
And also make sure to leave some comments on whichever platform you listen to us on. We will respond to you. Visit our website at some point, thesosshow.com, and check it out. See what we have there. Sign up for the email notifications about shows and events we have coming up in the future. This is all about the first responders, about their support circles. So we want to make sure that it is impactful. And until next time, we hope everyone has a great day and a great week. Y'all stay safe out there, and God bless.